0: Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for April 26th of 2017. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer at HockeyBuzz.com.
1: I'm Cameron Walsh from HockeyHurts.com.
0: And this podcast, we are going to dive into some of the more interesting front office situations from around the league. We have the Buffalo Sabres who gutted their GM and coach. LA Kings have done the same, and kind of I kind of want to do a compare and contrast to how Chicago, who's had past successes, is a very good success, uh, very pissed off over their um, playoff outing, and how Minnesota has kind of a different outlook on how their playoffs went, even though they, they lost, but they kind of are have perspective about it and i kind of want to get into a little bit of that and we'll talk about um round two maybe a little bit of round one so what front office to start with i guess could lump in buffalo and la together but i being in western new york I'll, i'll start in buffalo uh they gutted it and um what do you think about it
1: um I kind of don't blame ownership in Buffalo for gutting it, but four years in for, for Murray to you know do a complete teardown and, and then a rebuild, the turnaround time on that's not an awful lot of time for him to succeed. And I think you know, throughout the year, you've mentioned that the, the back end is, is what's stalling the team. Um, they don't have the, the players that can either skate the puck out on their own with speed or hit that outlet pass um, to the quite talented forward group that they've got. might be a little short in depth, but there's a hell of a lot of good talent there in Buffalo. So I really do hope that they don't go for a retread. retread. I, I would hope that they, they find one of those general managers that's floating underneath the surface, just not Botterill. Um, yeah. Yeah. And... Sorry, selfish. And and, and go for, go from there. Look, I didn't think Bilesma was the right coach for that that particular roster anyway. So I could understand the firing of the coach, but I think the general manager was a... was a little bit of an overkill. But I, I understand why. I, I get it. I just think they need to go in a, a youthful direction for... A, a perspective on the sport that's a bit different than the than what we always get.
0: Yeah, um, Tim Murray deserves a ton of credit for committing to the tank for McDavid, even though that they didn't win that lottery. Because Jack Eichel, logically, logic would dictate he's going to be a saber for a long time because of how RFA contracts work in this league. He may go down as the best saber of all time. Could. Very talented.
1: It's not not a bad level to
0: be at. So that's a nice parting present from the GM. The O'Reilly trade another one. That's really uh, a great trade for Tim Murray. The Evander Kane trade is kind of a, a neutral trade. I don't view it as a bad one. But everything else is pretty not good because
1: he's done nothing,
0: nothing, nothing to build up the depth of that team. Their defense grouping is terrible and it doesn't matter if you have these nice forwards in the top six when they have to collect the puck off the glass in the neutral zone and hope they, one, get to the puck sooner than the defenseman holding uh, their gap control and two, maybe they chip it by him and then win that battle as opposed to if you had a good um defenseman pairing out there getting it in stride the controlled exit to the controlled entry generating offense and they just don't have that and quite frankly it's one of the most pathetic defense situations in the league so plus i guess his personality the way he kind of uh Carried himself, uh, war on the Pagulas. So, I have no problem with Buffalo getting rid of Tim Murray. He did the right thing by breaking and the whole thing down. But he showed, and he, some people are like, "Well, you gotta give him time to build." it. No, he showed in the in the sample since they tanked that he's not doing a good job of doing the the, the basics and where he lost me was the day they traded Pizik for Kulikov
1: yeah you were you you basically gave him a big cross for that
0: and it's not so much that i'm in love with mark pizik as a player it's just conceptually you're not looking at the same stuff i am to make that trade and that not that that boy that sounded conceited but um
1: you <laughs> you're going to start worrying about that now uh, <laughs>
0: the the problem there is, if you're going to be this modern team, that's you. You got to do those analytical stuff to to build the depth quick and get the team back to where you want to be. The the old school approach, it, it's it's not good enough, and that's where he lost me. And I have no problem with it.
1: The Ristolainen thing, I think, is the the commitment to him for the length of time. And the um, money, like what's he done yeah, to... I, had, I understand the argument with the money, I get that argument, but, but for me it's like give him the money, but give it to him in a short dose. I mean, I mean, I know they've got him signed through until he's 27, um, but at 22, the point you were literally just about to make, what has he done to make you think that you're going to get him at, at least market value for 5.4 or cheaper? And, and I, I just don't see how they're going to get $5.4 million worth of value out of him next year. Because they didn't get $5.4 million out of him this year.
0: He's possessionally one of the worst players in the league. And some of that is quality of teammate around him stinks. Part of it is the team putting him in this top-pairing role. That It's just not him. They, they think he's a one number one. It's probably so like a 3 that,
1: or a 4. So does that lie on the coach? It lies on everybody.
0: The, because the GM should be able to go to the coach who he hired, right? Exactly. And be like, listen, this guy's drowning. What can we do to help him? Because we keep going. I, You can push a guy to try and get better and let him go through some rough patches. But this is like a, a very long rough patch where he... Um, even if you don't love all the, the the metrics involved with the possession stuff you don't want to be near dead last in the nhl
1: if you did last the the it's not the metrics that's the problem
0: and there are team effects involved here and i've referenced them before but there was a i forget who was it james myrtle that tweeted it i had it in a blog a little while ago Taylor Hall was on the table for Ristolainen, according to that tweet. And that's just,
1: oh, that's just baffling.
0: And, and, and I get a lot of Sabres. Uh, I have Western New York followers, obviously. And I got a lot of bark back, like, well, what would the D look like without Ristolainen? And I'm like, probably the same. <laughs> yeah. You're trading for a top five player at his position for a guy that's a power play specialist that's probably lucky to be a number three defenseman.
1: You know how, like you and I said, Chiarelli's a fool for making that trade. You take the Larson-Ristolainen comparisons, and Chiarelli did all right. I mean, he could have really fucked himself up the ass if he'd if he'd gone for the Ristol like imagine that. Imagine if it was Hall for Ristolainen. Like it just you just sit there and just shake your head. I watched
0: a lot more Buffalo games this year.
1: Well. Yeah, that's the thing that's just a little mind-blowing for me, I suppose, is, um, is when, that, when that news came out was, why didn't Buffalo just go, yes, please, we'll take that? And, and But we loop around then to the same problem that Buffalo have at the moment. They have nothing on that back end. Nothing. Franz
0: and was their leader and even strength points per 60 and possession. And I'm not saying, like, does that mean Franzen's, well... Franzen played better than Ristolainen last year for all the crap that that guy takes. And he doesn't look good doing it. He's slow and all that, but there's a significant gap in the numbers. Now, they have Gouli coming up, young player. I think they're trying to lure a KHL defenseman. So... They're trying, but they really got a – they lost Mark Pizik for nothing. Not that he's yeah. – like I said, he, he maybe he's a number four or number five, but why do you want to lose that for nothing when you barely have that to begin with?
1: Yeah, I know what you mean.
0: I kind of want to go all in on the, the Mark Pizik thing, but that's a, a sign it's of, a of a just total... not understanding.
1: Yeah, value yeah. No, I get I get your argument. It's, it's not so much the player himself. It's the process of that trade that's the problem there, and it's a good point to make. So, <clears throat>
0: behind, at Behind the Net, I had a really nice Twitter thread last night, and I'd like to read some of it. It's about front offices in the um, NHL. Re-NHL analytics. Call this the contact approach. Surely the long-standing approach to team management cannot be optimal. Almost 60% of NHL GMs played in the NHL. Another 25% are the children of NHL execs. That's a tiny pool to be picking from. The remaining spots are filled by guys who didn't make it to the NHL, guys with long track records as total insiders. And then there's John uh, Schaika. But he, even John Shika played. He's got a hockey DB page. The irony <laughs> is that So have you. Yeah, mine's not very impressive, but yes, I do have one.
1: <laughs>
0: the irony is that the pool used to be larger in 1969 you had 12 teams and Scotty Bowman, Sam Pollock, Tommy Ivan and Ren Blair were GMs. I lose my feed here. The average age of an NHL GM was 46 in 1969. Today it's 54. Major League Baseball went 52 to 44 the last few years. NHL GMs are the oldest of the big four sports. So we literally have a 30-team league with 30 GMs who are educated at the same school per contact. Surely there must be others to hire. And it seems so strange that 50 years ago, a guy on your softball team who liked hockey could become a GM, in parentheses Sam Pollock, but today options are narrower. One item that always shocked me, the spread of the outcomes in drafting round two Onwards indicates no skill on the part of teams at all. Example, randomly shuffling picks 31 through 250 gave you the same spread of games played, etc. Groupthink recruiting from a small pool enables this. If I look at Major League Baseball, the major accomplishment is driving down player share of revenue without a true salary cap. I view it as legal collusion, bringing people not wedded to groupthink. They don't overpay crappy players. Uh, conventional wisdom says they're good. As a GM, you need five to seven years to pull off your strategy but need to face the press after five to seven games. Playing it safe lets you keep your job. Winnipeg's a great example, absurdly loyal fan base. No downside to taking risk. Went with went with all hockey men and are just as bad as Atlanta. I don't know Kevin Shovel Day off, but he didn't draw the same conclusions as Billy Bean did from being a failed first-round pick. <laughs>
1: that was funny when I read that.
0: At any rate, there's still low hanging fruit. People with a better approach will clean it up and the GM mix will change soon enough. Um, I thought that was a really nice thread.
1: It was. It covered off a lot of things that you and I have discussed before and, and put into perspective some of the, the reasons why I think the game as a whole can't move forward until those running the teams and the sport get younger the, the sport's stuck. doesn't mean I'm not going to sit here and bang my head up against the, the table because of it, but it, the refusal to take risks, and I get it, these owners are businessmen. They have money. They don't want to just throw it away willy-nilly, so they go with somebody who's supposed to know what's going on in the league. I get that, but they didn't make that money without taking risks themselves the first time.
0: So I, d- I wanted to tie that philosophy into, well, the Sabers are clearly in need of a GM. They are indeed. So you got candidates like Dean Lombardi out there, which, who, by the way, according as of last night, nobody's asked for permission to speak to him. So kudos K- to K- <laughs> K- Buffalo. <laughs> That's why. But you have um, Julian Brisebois, uh Jason Botterill, and the the cream of that grouping. If they could pull it off, I think they should be going after Kyle Dubas of Toronto.
1: He'd have to walk from Toronto, wouldn't he? He'd have to go, give me the job, give me the reins. I don't want to be sitting under anybody else as a babysitter.
0: Yeah. It's it's too bad they hired Lou. It would be too bad if they hired Lou and Kyle left.
1: Well, that's the risk you run for not wanting to – I legitimately think they've just got Lou for contact. Literally, he is just a walking Rolodex.
0: Maybe. And if that's the case, then, you know, that's fine. So but, it's the um, thing the thing Buffalo should be going of... that direction because of all we know uh, with, with behind the The uh, the thing I just read, why wouldn't you go in that direction? What do you have to lose?
1: Well, is the risk the really
0: any greater than hiring a retread? Hey, newsflash, why is the retread available?
1: <laughs> Very good point.
0: Um, yeah, it's because they screwed up. So, you know, get progressive. Uh, you don't have to be over 50 years old to do the job. You just need the skills was... to do the job.
1: I think that was the thing that was frustrating for me with the cheer alley is that Edmonton have got so many pieces in place.
0: Yeah, but that that organization is so what he's talking about.
1: No, no, I, I get that. But it's like if there was ever an opportunity to take a risk, it is when you have technically a cheat code for five or six years in Connor McDavid. Like, that's the time you could get there and throw it to a young guy and go, all right, we've tried and failed a couple of times at this with older heads. How about we throw it to a younger head and move forward with that? But, you know, like you said, the the organization is that guy. I get it.
0: Yeah, so if they didn't get McDavid, where would they be right now?
1: Well, they'd be the, the same laughing stock they were prior to that. I mean, no offense. That doesn't just, get
0: like, enough talk, by the way. Yeah, I know. They have had four first-round picks, and some of the years it's been, un- like Nail Yakupov, isn't a great year to have the number one pick. Uh, okay, so Connor McDavid, like the thing with the Connor McDavid um, lottery, my understanding, at least from what I remember, it was Buffalo and Arizona, right, that were worst and second worst. Yeah, they wouldn't even have gotten Eichel out of that. If they didn't land yeah. Connor, yep. Yeah. So, yeah, they're very fortunate that Connor McDavid's gonna cover up a lot of warts for that team. Like there are actually people in that market that think the trading haul was necessary for to them to turn the corner because they got Adam Larson, and, and, this... and I just pity that.
1: This playoff run is just going to re-emphasize that point and I would be less worried about that if I if it was a different general manager. Like this can go one of two ways. The I think the problem I have is that they overpaid severely for Lucic, right? And they're going to have to re-sign some guys like McDavid's going to max out whatever the max will be at the time he has to do his deal, right? Which just makes perfect sense and is perfectly fine. But it's the – and we're going to get to Chicago, but it's the, side, it's the side contracts that start to cause problems when you have to pay your superstars to the cap. And it's those other deals that are going to do them in and cheer showed in Boston. He can't assist that.
0: And we can, and that's fine to segue right into Chicago. I don't have much more to add on the, that other stuff. Um, yeah, Chicago. So they've done the, the rebuild back from purging at least once to, to get back to a Stanley cup. And that's very impressive. Yes. I think the big factor in all this is, and I keep I did the the long comparison to Chicago, to the Penguins on a blog last Saturday. Can the Blackhawks learn from the Penguins? Because Pittsburgh did not get the bridge contract from Crosby Malkin, from making the ELC to six mil. They went both to eight point seven, and the cap ceiling was not where it is right now. Right.
1: No, they got taught real quick.
0: Blackhawks got ELCs from Taves and Kane, and then $6 million, a significant salary even then, but that's $12 million combined. They're at $21 million combined now, and they're in their late 20s. They're going to show uh, the aging curves are going to start to show their face. That doesn't mean that they're still not going to be effective, but that's a hell of a lot of cap space to lose. And like LA, Chicago has shown a little bit of the loyalty issue with some of these players, whether they give them the contracts to start with, like Bickle, yeah, or they bring back a Johnny Oduya and Andrew Ladd spending on assets at the deadline, or trading for... They traded multiple first-round picks for Vermette and Ladd, and Vermette was like a 44% possession player during the playoffs that year. He... Listen, I know we scored, know he a, scored a, 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 a final goal, final goal. But, but I think giving somebody else that kind of ice time, they probably would have maybe done that too.
1: Yep, no, no, I, I know, I know what you mean. Um,
0: so they fell in a trap, and they're they're yeah. in a the trap right now, and it could go one of two ways. They the the good news for Pittsburgh was that when they screwed up. Crosby and Malkin were still mid-twenties-ish. If Chicago screws this up right now, they're done. Because of the ages of their main players. And that's
1: nothing to say of
0: like Hosa is ancient now.
1: And he is starting to show some battle scars in regards to his output. And that's fine. I mean, good grief, it's Marion Hosa. He's been absolutely absolutely awesome. Yeah, exactly. So, it's one of those things where you, you look at where they've thrown the money with these contracts and uh, you, you can't complain about the deal they did with host and with the backdiving half of it or whatever the hell it was they did that was a part of those, those deals. Um, you, you look at, at Duncan Keith is one of the most ridiculous deals going around at the moment. But once again, that was a backdiving deal that, that got through before they, they cut up the loopholes. Um, I, I can't really complain with where they've thrown their money at, except for Seabrook and Crawford.
0: Well, Crawford is at least performing at a high level.
1: But it's still $6 million net, and he's not the elite of the elite. He's, he the, sniffs
0: it, though, at the very least.
1: The, yeah, It's not
0: paying Flurry no, close to $6 million.
1: No, no, I, I, I wasn't even going to try and make that comparison. No, but I'm just saying,
0: like, not, there's other goalies in that range where you're just like, it, even Rene at seven. I mean, that's
1: absurd. It would see that's a uh, that's uh, an aberration of a contract as much as Fleury's is an aberration of a contract for what the actual production is of that player. But even when, Anisimov
0: when, is, at four point five is.
1: Well, that's it. That is a, That's that is a re-signing contract, isn't it? That Anisimov one.
0: Yeah, because he, he had an expiring deal when the Saad traded. Yeah. Oh, which, by the way, you don't have Brandon Saad because you wanted Seabrook and all this other stuff. Not that yeah. I hated the Saad trade for Chicago, because I do think Anisimov is a decent enough player, and they did have that uh, gaping hole at center behind so, Taves. Yeah. But here's the problem. Mark O'Donnell was supposed to be like the good prospect from that deal. And they shipped them off for Andrew Ladd for a rental.
1: Yeah, it was that's yeah that's the thing that made him two like points in seven games, and that was it. Yeah, that's just.
0: Did you really want to trade Brandon Saad for Anisimov?
1: We've got Jordan Tutu in there instead of Marco Dano. Like this is this is the the risk reward with doing it. They're now paying Artemi Panera next year six mil. Like,
0: well, that's they're... fine. That's good value,
1: but. No, now, where would
0: they be if they didn't luck out on that? Though,
1: well, I know, but that's the problem you've got is that they're wiggle room because you have to pay these guys. This is the thing: we're not saying don't pay Kane and Tays and Hosa, um, Panarin, um, Keith, Chalmerson. I, I, they're the ones you want. They're the guys you have to keep. It's the Marcus Kruger's not worth three mil. You know, I don't think Brent Seabrook is worth almost seven they're the ones you've got to be careful with because that's what happened to Pittsburgh. I mean, they did a really good job of not overpaying for keeping Orpic. They let Paul Martin go as hard as that was to see him walk. Um, they let Niskanen walk. Um, they had to work out which of the guys that they're happy to pay a truckload for and then work around it. It's just that their best defender keeps getting hurt. That's the other thing with Duncan Keith's value. He's almost always on the ice. He rarely misses.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, Chicago, you're at a real crossroads. Uh, Pittsburgh, as I mentioned, had wiggle room to dig out of it when they made some really poor choices with their depth in contracts. I don't think Chicago has that uh, ability.
1: It's an interesting mishmash of ages and contract lengths all the way through that entire roster. So,
0: but then you have another team in their division, Minnesota, and man, did they get boned? <sighs>
1: they, got a lot. they got
0: how? They got or they crushed St. Louis for five games and got nothing for it because Jake Allen went nine fifty six on him. Which is, Jake fucking Allen went 9.56.
1: Just out of of curiosity, do you have the numbers in front of you? Because you usually do. Um, Were the high danger chances for both teams similar? Or did Minnesota just wipe the floor with both, like, through the the entire lot? Like, it is one of those things where I I do wonder sometimes when you, you dominate possession, are you getting... Most of your shots in the high danger chances, or are you looking at the medium to?
0: Okay, to so log- I didn't have it up. I have it up. Minnesota led the NHL in round one in high danger scoring chances 4 percentage at fifty nine percent. So
1: oh, they killed it, absolutely killed it. So that's all right. They, they literally got stonewalled on high quality shots. No wonder Boudreau came out and said the better team did win.
0: And if I go to uh, regular scoring chances, 4 percentage, 68.6. And this is from Natural Stat Trick. They were number one in round one and that at 60% as well. Their goals 4 percentage at even strength, 36.
1: What goaltender god did Boudreaux piss off?
0: Oh, my God. It's unreal with that. And uh, where's the Boudreaux quote?
1: I know, I know I
0: I can paraphrase it. It was um we were better than Saint Louis and they won four games. Pretty much is what he said, and hard to disagree with that.
1: Doesn't help getting over it, but he's right.
0: But but Cliff Fletcher also came out yesterday. And um he was positive about
1: it. Which is them? important. It, it, that is important to not overreact.
0: And not that Cliff Fletcher has been a perfect GM. I mean, they can't screw years like this up, whether it's their fault or not. Because of those a Suter contracts, they're going to kill him down the road.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm but sure they're well aware of There's that.
0: no reason to gut the thing. When they were a really good team this year and they went up against a fluky, mediocre, I'm being polite, goalie that had the series or stretch of his life. And I wonder how much of uh, that kind of temperament is because um, they, they hired two of the founders of
1: War on Ice. Hopefully... Hopefully it sticks. Um, with Andrew some... and
0: Alexandra, and then obviously Sam's with Pittsburgh. But you know they have people within the organization that could that could, if they're listening to them, be like, listen. This I know you don't want to hear it, but it was an anomaly. We really kicked their ass. Blowing it up and getting angry at people because they played well isn't going to help. No, no,
1: no, no. So maybe that,
0: having that in the organization, and I'm just, I guess I'm assuming. But you don't hire those people, at least in my opinion, to not ever, you know, get input.
1: Well, you fire them when they tell you not to trade P.K. Subban. That's what you do if you've got them.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Had to have been a good first round for Mr. Pfeffer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, but you, you're exactly right. You, you hope that they haven't just got them there for the sake of saying they've got them and that they are going to listen and, and not panic. Like, my biggest concern for the Parise and pseudo contracts is Parise's back. If he can't stay healthy, then that cap's just – sits around their neck and he's 32 now so like they've got 17, 18 and 18, 19 at the most I think to get
0: and his style of play
1: yeah that's that's the thing like after that he's 35 maybe because I don't know when his birthday is you're in trouble then like in regards to getting production out of him and the ability to build more players into that roster around 7.5 mil each year is, is really really hard because the salary cap in this league is not going up at any rate.
0: Yeah. Um, they got to make hay pretty soon.
1: But it does sound like they're not going to overreact.
0: It um, It's a rough one, though
1: yeah it is it's hard it's not fair but that's the thing with like we've always said playoffs are coin flips they just happen to yeah they're small
0: samples that you can overreact to
1: yep they happen to get black four times in a row and too much luck in
0: this uh, in this sport at times so you know there's our front office talk I think do you have anything else to add on that
1: uh, not explicitly, but the Kovalchuk coming back to the league stuff throws the cat amongst the pigeons a little bit. Yeah, I like, I like told... having
0: him come back. He, what an exciting player yes. he was, and he's not—he's not, he's not going to be that electric anymore. Which is really—it's really a bummer that he left. Um, but you know, he's his—he's a human being, and he made a choice for him and his family. I'm not going to begrudge that.
1: I want to see him stay in Jersey just so you can see Hall and him <laughs> play together.
0: Nah, I don't want him there. I don't want anybody there.
1: <laughs> you have <laughs> you have this hatred for that franchise that I just I can't compare with. It's hilarious.
0: The high school years for me, they were just the biggest dog shit bore. And they would keep winning, and I'm never going to lose that. It's petty.
1: No, but it's, it's, you were influenced as a kid. It sticks, you know?
0: And um, I, I like it for the devils, though, as far as they own his rights. They can trade him for something that they need, and I think that's they, they, did, they did not deserve to, to lose him like that. That was absurd. Yep, and then did they take a first round pick from him for the contract or something?
1: Yeah, they lost. I don't know. It was just it was a little bit like, well, Lou, you've tried to do this one too many times. We're really going to punish you now. Sort of a deal. It was so weird.
0: Yeah. So, I think the Devils could do well in moving him somewhere and getting. It's tough to peg his value. Because I think he's, what, 34 now? I think so. What an ancient guy, as I sit here at the same age.
1: (laughs) Shut up, you baby.
0: Uh, Yeah, he's 34. So, you know, he's not going to be able to carry a line, but you put him with a good center, he could do some cool things. Yeah. So I look forward to seeing how that plays out. And what the return is. It's a very uh, fascinating development. So,
1: Considering that it's supposed to be a weak draft, it's. Um, be interesting for the free agent market and all that sort of stuff building up to it. This doesn't have the hype of you know, I mean, and McDavid.
0: He can't just sign with another team. That's not going to happen.
1: Well, it could. No, it could. But can't. there's no way the other general managers are going to let it happen. Correct.
0: They're not. <laughs> Going to do that, so we'll see where that goes. Um, that's kind of an off y topic, though, that we can we'll, we'll tackle down the road.
1: Get him in Vegas with Thornton.
0: I have my thoughts on Joe.
1: <laughs> oh, still can't believe he played with an ACL and an MCL tear.
0: Yeah, I do wonder. He obviously enjoys San Jose, but at what point? Like, last year was their shot.
1: Yeah, that sucks.
0: Joe was a big part of why they were who they were, and he's, you know, that 1.34 points per 60 that at even strength this year is a huge cry from over 2.0, which he's been forever. So, the decline has started doesn't mean he's not still good but we'll see about that too so um <clears throat> shall we preview the series or the what i consider the most interesting series of round two i don't believe i have any bias in that either uh, i honestly that's that's i think fun. i think everybody can agree pittsburgh washington is really the premier series
1: well, it's it's not often you get a chance to go pay back the next year straight away in exactly the same spot. Second round again. The Capitals have, have got to do it to. I think they get past Pittsburgh. They win the whole thing. That's I've thought that probably since about game sixty, and I still stand by that now.
0: So Pittsburgh beat them last year and went on to win the Stanley Cup. What what is different? Do you think
1: from last year?
0: There, I prior think there's some to, obvious ones, but it, you know,
1: yeah. Prior to the prior to the playoffs starting, even when they had Chris Letang, Pittsburgh was struggling to suppress shots. And the one thing that Washington did well last year in the playoffs was actually get shots against Pittsburgh. So that was the only round in the four that they played that Pittsburgh well. It was the highest amount of shots they bled against the Capitals for all four rounds last year, and I can't see a team like Pittsburgh at the moment, the way it's constructed, reducing the Capitals' ability to shoot pucks at the net. And
0: so the then Capitals, it comes down... To, oh, sorry.
1: No, no, I was just say, then it comes down to what happens in net, and I know which way I would trust more than the other.
0: So, I think you've highlighted some of the things that I totally agree with. Washington gave Pittsburgh the... I know that it went seven games with Tampa, but Washington was gave Pittsburgh all they could handle, and Matt Murray bailed their ass out. Care to guess what his even strength save percentage was against the Capitals in that series? 940-something. Yeah, it was 945. His uh, high danger save percentage was 87.5.
1: Yeah, anything above eighty five in the high danger and you're doing really well and particularly really against well. Yeah.
0: Eighty seven is legit. Yeah. I remember that one game Washington killed him and Murray made like fifty ish saves or something and let him one goal. They had no
1: business winning that
0: game. What if Was they missed that, the that game? Letangless. How's the series go?
1: Was that the Chris Latangless game after the suspension? And was that also the Was that the same game that Benino seemed to want to keep hitting the puck out of the zone? <laughs> that, that the
0: series, kind of. It's I haven't really looked back on a lot of it um, since then, so it all blends together. But I know there was a game where Murray just stole it, legitimately yeah. stole it, and they don't have Matt Murray this year, and. Flurry is going to give you good and very bad, and that's just the way it goes.
1: The Look, the, the way it works, if you look at it from a, purely from a Pittsburgh perspective, right, we can flip the switch and have a look at it from the Capitals, but Flurry can steal you games. He's proved that, I think, twice already in, in the series against Columbus. What you don't want to do, though, is have a game Once where for you're sure. in it.
0: Once for sure. What you don't want to have... Yeah. What well, game... The clinching game, he stole the game, I thought.
1: Well, I thought he stole game one as well. but
0: Not a lot of high danger from that game.
1: I just, For, for me, it, it's like you, you get there and you, you know you're going to get great out of Fleury and you know you're going to get bad out of Fleury. What Pittsburgh have to hope is that when he's bad, he's just one of those games where Pittsburgh's offense is just on a tear and can just outscore the Capitals now the problem you've got with that is you've got a guy at the other end
0: that could who, say no thanks
1: exactly and and so you're going you need Fleury to outplay Holtby four times is what you're asking or at least break even to win the series that's what you're asking for and, I just, um, I, just don't, I just don't see it
0: yeah I don't see it either I mean there's a large track record here of Fleury is a goalie. And for the millionth time on this podcast, it's not all bad, but it's not very consistent, and you don't really know when, which is going to be what.
1: Hey, look, if he turns into 2008 playoff run Fleury, then Pittsburgh will win the whole thing again because he was was consistent through it. um, it Here's the thing with that, though.
0: Murray's playoff run last year was better than that.
1: I know. It's significant to not
0: have Murray, even though they won round one and Fleury played good in three games.
1: Yeah, I know. But F- Fleury can't give them the fluctuations. If Fleury's save percentage that he walked out of the round out of round one with was what he gave them every game, that's fine. But that's not how he gets that save percentage.
0: No, it's really not. And this year the There's, home and road splits for him – terrible i'm I'm not a fan of breaking statistics like when the they'll show oh the power play at home is and it's like all right whatever but columbus series flurry at home was like really good flurry in columbus was well below 900 looked like some of them other years that he's had and i looked into it And his home and road splits for the whole regular season were drastically different, home and road, home being good, road being bad. So, yes, not a fan of breaking it down that way, but there seems to be a um, consistent divide this year for whatever reason. I don't have an answer for that.
1: So, I don't know, listening to a few other podcasts and and reading a few articles – a lot of people seem to think that the Achilles heel of the Capitals is their back six, no. which they were supposed to have shored up. But I mean, if you're not going to play the correct six back there, it's, it's not still really better like... than
0: Pittsburgh's.
1: It, no, it is. It, it legitimately is, and and you 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 get there and go, they have to find a way to actually get production out of that back six. And I I, I legitimately I, what I don't mean by that is is you know goals and assists. I mean, they have to have people. They have to have people contribute to scoring on the ice. They can't have them just get trapped in their zone and then have the forwards do all the work for them. They have to actually contribute. Shattenkirk has to get them out of the zone. Niskanen has to get them out of the zone. All of has to get them out of the zone. That they have to use those defensemen to actually start their transition because Pittsburgh's defense, like you said is not great, and they will get burnt on the break if you can have a really good first breakout pass or just someone skated out of there. So they have to utilize... That's the one thing that I think really sticks out in the skaters' side of things, is their depth through their six is better than Pittsburgh's, and their top end is better than Pittsburgh's.
0: Yeah, Pittsburgh would have had top end advantage with Letang, but that's, that's not happening. <laughs> Nope. They're going to go Carlson, Niskanen, and Chattenkirk down the right side. One of those three is always going to be on the ice. That's um, really good. Orlov, totally underrated. The other two left defensemen, depending on who they use, I like Schmidt the most out of the the remaining ones. His skating was very evident against Toronto.
1: And they get a it.
0: But Alsner and Orpik. They're not good. You want to know why Chat and Kirk doesn't look as great? Yeah, why don't well, we you, know. why don't you guess who his partner is?
1: Yeah, we know why. And it's that that's it's one of those things. Like um, Jesse Jesse Marshall, you know, put out a really good piece in regards
0: to <laughs> beat me to it. Was, that was my next thing, and it plays yeah. right into what we're talking about. So at the Pens yeah. blog, Jesse Marshall did a Pens cap series preview. Two teams, same system. First one to blink loses. He gave X's and O's. I'll let you. Uh, go on with your point.
1: And it, the, the forecheck thing was a, was a really good point for him because there are some decisions that need to be made by Sullivan. Once again, taking it on the, the, the Pittsburgh tint. Sullivan's got to decide whether he does want to go with that one man forecheck or whether he wants to take a gamble. And because the Capitals can rely on their defensemen to get the puck out, they break early, just like Pittsburgh do. Pittsburgh, Trust that their defenders are going to put the pucks in certain areas, and they break out early. They break the zone early, and that's how they get those two-on-ones on the break. Do you get aggressive with the lesser lights of the Capitals' defense and try to force the error in the zone, knowing full well that if they get past you, you're basically screwed. Yeah, you're, it's you're... a real
0: problem because you can you can think of the pros of some of these approaches. Yeah, if we if we get on it. And t- turn that over they can't get up the ice but the you know the, the downfall is chances are they will be able to get around it because they're deeper than you the the forwards a lot of people are trying to tell me that and I say a lot of people I get it on Twitter I'm not necessarily <laughs> reading it from uh, you know some of the analysts of advanced metrics are you telling me
1: are you telling me your students aren't stopping you in class and asking you?
0: <laughs> the um, the the Capitals forwards are just as formidable as Pittsburgh's. They're one of the few teams that can match them in that. And yep. the biggest
1: difference for me from
0: last year to this year, HBK is not a thing.
1: Well, it, H, is not a, H is not a thing at all at the moment.
0: No, but he practiced today, I guess, but not with contact. Anyways, I um, Crosby and Malkin combined for four points last year In the Capitals series So how the heck did the Penguins win? Oh, that thing that we've been talking about for that like year's stretch Where if the Stars get shut down, maybe somebody else will step up That was HBK Haglin had seven even strength points Benino had six or five Kessel had five or four I can't remember the specifics But they picked up the slack and made it happen how, how is that going to be this year?
1: You, you have to. Re- they are at the moment, but I would have said they were top heavy ish last year until guys like Rust and Sherry actually started to produce. So you've got to pray that that somebody else comes out of the woodwork. You've got to pray that Wilson actually starts to finish on the promise that he shows that he can finish. You're asking Benino to actually score again in some form of a consistent matter, whether it's assists or or um, or goals, you, you need Cullen to chip in for that one goal here or there. Um, you don't really start to see those sort of trends until you get to the second round, because, who knows, maybe Crosby and Malcolm don't get shut down, and they do carry the team past the second
0: it's round.
1: It's always an option. <laughs> it's, a, it's a possibility. You always want that option to happen, but it, it's one of those things where we we can always look back in hindsight at last year and go well they got secondary scoring from this person and this person and this person but we won't know whether that's needed this round and and, until it's completed so you're right it doesn't look like the secondary scoring is there but you know they might not need it they're probably going to need it but they might not
0: well you got to look at washington too pittsburgh's gotten worse via injury uh, this go-round no yeah. number one goalie no number one d haglin is yet to he'll probably be in the series but at, what's the damage by the time he gets in kunitz as well kunitz should be there and that that's gonna help uh, i don't care uh man the kunitz hate is so fucking weird to me yes he's uh in decline but to the suggestions that he's not one of the 12 best forwards in this organization. He's still, he's
1: still, he's still better than Ruedo and, well, and... Ruedo's D-man. Sorry, I meant um, Rowney. Rowney and Kunakl. Yeah. And, sure. I like and I like Kunakl, but Kunitz is better than that. I'd always say he's better than Wilson, because Wilson hasn't been putting the puck in the net. No. No. Getting Kunitz back is a
0: nice thing. I I really don't have a preference on who sits, but between Kunhakel and Rowney,
1: yeah, like probably Kunhakel.
0: Yeah. Whatever, I don't care. But um, Kuhnitz on the fourth line. That would be something.
1: That would that would fill out some of that depth that, that the team needs. But this, this series is so tight and, and close for me. You know the. The fan in me thinks that Pittsburgh can win it, but the you sit down and look at it, old hard facts and numbers, and you just go, I can't really see them winning it. And I, I probably would have said that even with Murray and Net.
0: And Washington made some improvements on their forward, getting Eller. That was, was a, a great.
1: That was a great pickup.
0: That's an upgrade over what they had. You know, it's a small thing. But they lost from a small margin of error last year. It
1: was. It was tiny. Hey, if you look at it again, you, you pray that they try to get over-aggressive, give up penalties, and Pittsburgh's power play seems to be working all right at the moment. That might be one way they can try and burn Washington, because you look at guys like Wilson and, and, and Winnie who try to lay the hammer at um, You hope that they get over-exuberant and, and do silly things. Yeah,
0: but then they still got, for whatever reason, they don't seem to play Brett Conley a lot. But when he's on the ice, he's effective. I think he's yeah. way more effective than Rowney or Kuhnackel or any of these other depth guys for Pittsburgh are. And Benino's had a miserable year, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Oh yeah, it's not a patch on what he what he had the year before.
0: No, I'm not taking away from that, but like.
1: No, no, no. You, you you're looking at it in the context of this year. How's his year been this year? It's. <laughs> And that's the, the hard thing with it. It's following it up year after year. That's what makes guys like Ovechkin and Backstrom and Crosby and Malkin and Kessel so good. They seem to be able to consistently repeat what they've done the year before over and over and over. And That's the, the challenge of, of, of being a an out-and-out superstar as opposed to being a meh. Yeah. You know, um, they've still got Justin Williams. Jesus.
0: Yeah, the, the, the forwards are a wash. The defensemen are better for Washington, and the goalie's better for Washington. So does that mean Pittsburgh can't win? No, they do have, um, I think Sid's the best player, in the, other than if you want to make the McDavid argument, but Connor's not in this series, so Sid's the best <laughs> player. Uh, Gino has 11 points in five games. He's leading the playoffs in scoring. Um, th- their top end can match the others' top end. So, who's cold? Who's hot? Who knows?
1: <laughs> what I do know is that in you know forty-ish hours, we'll get to find out a little bit.
0: Yeah, this layoff has been um, tough as summer to cover it because a lot of these stories I hear, none of none of it's about actual hockey. Just so. I guess I know I'm not the target market for it but it's just it's, so many of them are just cliched
1: cringeworthy stories <laughs> technically the players are playing for free right now because they don't get paid in the playoffs right it feels like some of the uh, writers particularly the beat writers are just fluffing it in right now with the stuff that they write they're not even trying
0: trying Mm -hmm. it's just there's a market for it i promise you that
1: well the market is not this podcast obviously
0: no probably not many of our listeners either (laughs) unless we had hate listeners (laughs) so i'm i'm picking washington they're my stanley cup pick that doesn't change
1: they're mine, too. I, I, I stand by it. If Pittsburgh gets through this round, I think they win it. Mm. I, I, think.
0: <clears throat> I think they get to the final. I, um, I think Nashville could get them.
1: I, I, no, I, that's the thing. I don't. Okay. I legit, I legitimately think that whoever wins that series wins the whole thing and it could be funny Pittsburgh could win the next win this series and then get knocked out by fecking Ottawa it's the other thing that I find bizarre is the the other these playoffs suck these two teams shouldn't be meeting now they should be meeting in the next round
0: yeah the NHL doesn't care when pens caps happens just that it does
1: Uh, that's true and I know we've beaten it like a dead horse. But,
0: man, that other side of the bracket, it's just...
1: How wide open's that?
0: Whoever wins can lose to the other one. But they get to go to the conference final and their team gets to
1: make some money. Because I picked Anaheim to not make the playoffs, so... Oh, Kudos you, mean, you mean
0: Western. I was still talking. Yeah.
1: Eastern. Oh, yeah, whatever happens with the other, they're just going to lose. So, yeah, you're right. Um, it's not going to matter what happens over there. They could all get through really, really healthy um, or get themselves totally destroyed. They're still going to lose. It'll just be a question of, you know, four or five or six, seven games.
0: The West, um, I'm always kind of intrigued by Nashville. I like their team. Yeah, so do I. And we'll see if the Blues can um, find themselves, because they got they got lucky. But that doesn't matter if they can play good hockey this round; they could move on again, and the first round wouldn't matter at all how lucky they were.
1: No, and you, you require some luck through the, you know, you require some luck through the the, the playoff run. There's no no doubt about that. You just. If you St. Louis, you, you hope that you didn't use it all in the four wins because there's a, a lot of quality goaltending from uh, Allen that he's not shown at that level before.
0: I think, personally, Jake Allen will probably turn back into a pumpkin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what, you reckon it's gone one past midnight?
0: Maybe... Um... Maybe Renee does too, though.
1: And it's it's your best laid plans can get torn to shreds by a goaltender. This is the it's for me. It's like pitching in baseball. It's it's the one thing that can totally destroy you for like your player can destroy it for you, or the other team's player can destroy it for you.
0: At least in pitching, they they can't go every day.
1: No, that's, that's very true. Um, it does force some, some ropes. Imagine doing that, being forced to rotate your back up in as well. Jeez, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, I just I don't know what to expect out of the goaltenders in that one. I mean, I will say this. Cam Talbot was the Oilers' best player for their series. And if he stumbles at all, Edmonton a toast.
0: Yeah, and no he has nice depth, even if I don't care for the coach. They got a good, yeah. good group of defensemen.
1: Yeah. Where Cam no Fowler's what,
0: not the best one, obviously anymore. Yeah.
1: If McDavid does have a breakout, they still only go as far as Talbot takes them. McDavid did not have a breakout, though he
0: only had four no. points. Yeah. Which isn't a breakout for him. Maybe for some, sure. but not him.
1: And, and, and credit, credit to the Oilers for winning with him only producing that yeah, little.
0: I was impressed by that, but as you're saying, Talbot was pretty pretty good. Anaheim did a nice thing by getting Eaves, whether it's uh, overpayment or not, it um,
1: it's paid dividends.
0: He's there now, and uh, he's on a thirty goal a year. And I, you know, it's funny. I've every year that the Penguins uh, off season depth, I always bring him up because at that one and a half million dollar price point, I've always been a big believer for him. And this year, well, he's blown fantastic. that out of the water
1: the Matt Cullen thing he'll get he'll be worth more than that next year
0: yeah don't know if I want to be the guy to give him the next contract but
1: no 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 you, you, you're always trying to jump in to be the team that gets the benefit and then somebody else can pay for it the following year
0: but those games are on so freaking late
1: <laughs> oh, they work out for me.
0: yeah they do work out <laughs> for you but uh,
1: yeah, the West
0: could really do a bunch of different things. Where I think the East is, conference finals is starting tomorrow night. Between because it's
1: West. Is it West? It's West today, isn't it?
0: Is it both West games today?
1: Oh, I don't know. Time zones always screw me over when we're trying to talk about this. I know what it is for me
0: let's see yep Predators and Blues 8 Oilers Ducks 1030
1: why on earth wouldn't you have east west east west every night that way you can have one game just bleed into the other
0: (laughs) Uh, logic
1: although admittedly both the Predators and Blues are central time zones so you know it does make it a little harder but uh, whatever I've given up trying to work out the NHL um, I
0: don't know are we missing anything
1: no I think I think we covered it off I think we've got everything out that we needed to considering where we are in the week in the year so
0: no one I. when we were talking goalies earlier one, one final thing um, against the Capitals Frederick Anderson had a, a 931 even-strength save percentage. Uh, Flurry had a 931 against Columbus. Uh, Anderson had 821 high-danger save percentage against the Capitals. Flurry had 758 against Columbus. So
1: there's there's your gap right there, isn't it?
0: Well, not only is there the gap, but Frederick Anderson's numbers weren't good enough. Yeah, to Tor- Toronto over uh, the Capitals. And Toronto fared a hell of a lot better push and play against Washington than Pittsburgh did Columbus. So, um, that was something that I had on my sheet here that we didn't get to earlier. I just wanted to throw that out there. That even though, by flurry standards, he was good, um, another goalie played just as well against Capitals and it didn't work. <laughs> so, You may have to, that's, that Matt Murray 945 last
1: year is uh, looming large. As a Pegasus fan, I pray that it doesn't need to be that high this time around, but I'm not confident that's not going to be the case with that Capitals roster. So Now I'm done. Cool. We should get this thing published and let everyone listen to it. All right.
0: Um, subscribe to it, Hockey Hurts Podcasts, iTunes, RSS, wherever that you get it from, or our website, HockeyHurts.com. Twitter, at Hockey underscore Hurts, at Walshy66, at Gunnar My Penguins articles will be at HockeyBuzz.com. And our Patreon page is at Patreon.com slash where you can kindly uh, donate to the podcast to help. Uh, Support the server costs and other such things. That's it. Thanks, guys. See ya.